for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at tntradio.live. The conversation continues with Dean Mackin on today's News Talk TNT Radio. And Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Hope you had a terrific Christmas Day. I know I did. I was recounting to Gemma just how terrific it was uh, prior to coming on air. I may leave parts of that out today, but it was a fun day. Certainly the first day I've had in many years that I got to spend the entire day with the family and a bit of time at my mum's house uh, at the end of the day, which was absolutely phenomenal. I hope your day was equally as uh, entertaining and fun. And I'm hoping you lot are on holidays. And why I feel like like I'm on holidays because they say if you do a job that you love, you've never worked a day in your life. And that's pretty much <laughs> sometimes how I feel. I hope that is the case for you as well. We will be joined by the aforementioned Gemma Cooper shortly, uh, as well as our very own Jeremy Beck. We've got a lot to chat about. And certainly Bernie Finn will be joining us this hour as well. Craig Kelly and uh, Dr. Alan Moran, I do believe I will be talking to uh, later on, as well as Christian Walmer. So stick around and interesting couple of hours for you if you do that and yes i went to the movies i am going to talk about uh, john carey in a minute but right now as uh, you would expect i'm very much anti-hollywood i'm very much pro sci-fi movies and i'm very anti mcu universe marvel but dc you know who is their competitor put out aquaman no i was very hopeful and Jason, you know, Momoa, a terrific guy by all accounts, doesn't seem to be too woke in reality. As for Amber Heard, well, that's a com combination or a conversation, I should say, for another day and not a good combination of the two. I don't know whether they like each other that much in real life. Certainly, I know Jason Momoa has spoke very highly of Johnny Depp. Uh, and they're friends, apparently. So having to do those scenes with Amber Heard, uh, not having a significant amount of those uh, scenes cut, as was indicated, would be the case. Although I don't know how much of it was supposed to be in the movie, so I can't really comment on that, other than to say Amber Heard was reasonably prominent in the movie. But what was more prominent? Yes, DC, you shot yourself in the foot because I was going to advocate for people to go and watch this particular movie, but no. They had to make it about climate change, didn't they? Yes, some aliens were pumping out some green gas into the atmosphere and every five seconds, well, we're only accelerating what the humans were doing to themselves. Stuff like that just kept popping up the whole movie. Climate change, climate change, climate change. And then at the end of the day, what happens? The, the Atlanteans and those of the uh, surface get together in one big united nation. So they've even expanded upon that. Can you believe it? Well, you probably can. So I, I suggest just wait for that to come out while it streams and you can watch it included in your 10 bucks a month or whatever you're paying, wherever that happens to be. Now, Senator, uh, I shouldn't say Senator, Secretary of State John Kerry, just recently, what's the term? Got smashed. I do believe, by Thomas Massey, who's a congressman from Kentucky, and I do like him very, very much. I've got the audio to play, and I'm hoping that this works. Have a listen. This is what happens when you put logic and up versus someone, even with a political science degree, who only has BS on their side. Let's get back to the science of it. But it's not science. You're not quoting science. I, I, well, you're the science expert. You got the political science degree. Look, let me ask you this. What's the consensus on parts per million of uh, CO2 in the atmosphere? 
About 406, 406 today. Okay, 406. Are you aware... 350 being the level that scientists have said is dangerous. Okay, are you aware... 350 is dangerous. Wow. Are you aware that since mammals have walked the planet, the average has been over a thousand parts per million? Yeah, but we weren't walking the planet. It's, um, let me just share with you that we now know that definitively at no point during the least the past 800,000 years has atmospheric CO2 been as high as it is today. The reason you chose 800,000 years ago is because for 200 million years before that, it was greater than, the, than it is today. And I'm going to say for the record. Yeah, but there weren't human beings. I mean, there was a different world, folks. We didn't have 7 oh, billion people. So how did it get to 2,000 parts per million if we humans weren't here? Because there were all kinds of geologic events happening on Earth, which spewed Did up. geology stop when we got on the planet? Mr. Chairman, I, I, this is just not a serious conversation. Your, your testimony is not serious. I agree. Yeah, I agree too, and I think you might as well. See what happens when they stray from the narratives and and the way that they tie things in. It's just absolutely be- unbelievable how they just fall apart. The whole narrative just absolutely falls apart. It is ridiculous, but that's what happens when you hold somebody to account, and that's what happens when the truth comes out. I think it's absolutely terrific that we have people such as Thomas Massey out there. He is wonderful, and I am sure that those of you listening over in the United States would have uh, his back and certainly offer him your full support. I would hope that is the case. Just looking at the time. Yes, it is that time at TNT Radio. We we never go home. We're committed to bringing you our take on the biggest topics of our time. We broadcast live 24-7 online globally, no matter what. And we've got you covered here at TNT Radio. If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at TNTradio.live. TNT socks. I'm wearing them now. As is, I hope. Possibly, and if not, I'll send her a pair, the wonderful Gemma Cooper. Gemma, how are you? Oh, yeah, very well, Dean. If you could send me a pair, that would be great, because one of my missions as we head in towards uh, 2024, I'm making a lot of New Year's resolutions with regard to TNT. One is that I'm going to get more involved with the chat, because I know that's where a lot of the real discussion and meat and potatoes, as we say in the UK, lies. Uh, And the other is to get some TNT merchandise so I can go out and about and everyone can say, oh, Coops, you used to work for the BBC. What's this TNT? And I can spread the word. Spread the word because I know a lot. I know a lot of people. I'm gonna start wearing TNT wherever I go. I love that. You've just reminded me of one of the things that I swore I would do when I come back. And again, that was get more actively involved in the chat as, um, you know, the wonderful Katie Hopkins does. I mean, she is immensely, you know, involved in that. And um, you get so caught up in these interviews that we do with the terrific guests that we have and my co-commentators, you sometimes... uh, forget and i'm going to make that my new resolution i've got it on a massive big screen in front of me and it's i can't miss it now so if you say something that i would uh, uh you think is worth sharing on the online chat we'll certainly do that and Gemma also will uh will be on board with that won't we jim i will not until 2024 i'm going to give myself a little bit of a breather we've only just come out of christmas and i'm feeling a little oh i don't say fragile but you know it is christmas as we were recounting before we came on air you were telling me about your christmas day which sounds absolutely bloody brilliant um yeah so i'll have a nice gentle lead into 2024 and then i'm going to hit the ground running i'm going to go in the chat i'm going to brave the waters because i tell you what our audience is so switched on it you know you you you, you're kind of you know you're amongst equals let's put it that way definitely 
Absolutely. I was telling you about my day in the pool at my mum's house and the wife said, uh, why don't we have a pool? And I said, well, we've got a house that you don't want to sell that floods twice a year. The house is a pool. I mean, why would you want to move? Boom, boom. I wish that was a joke. It's unfortunately true. Uh, sometimes where I am right now in this studio, I'm literally up to my waist in it. Uh, not climate change. It is the uh, local council. Don't want to let the water out where the uh, where the lake meets the ocean. But don't get me started on the Central Coast uh, Council. Uh, what's happening in your part of the world today, Gemma, or around the world? Well, it's interesting that you mentioned Jason Momoa there. You know, I'm sure he might be a decent guy, but in my memory... I think he pushed the uh, experimental injection quite hard. Um, that's what I remember. You know, one of the celebrities that was like, do as I say, and, you know, it's all safe and effective. And uh, it leads me to a story that has come out from our dear NHS here in the UK overnight. It's made the headlines because, you know, we're still kind of like on holiday mode. So MPs are in recess. We've got a big storm that's battering the country. And that's dominating the headlines here, Storm Jarrett. But there's another headline dominating, and that is that a jab, a jab, for a very common winter virus in babies is being held as a game changer after trials on 8,000 8, wow. babies, 8,000 babies wow. in the UK, France and uh, Germany. Um, and they want to introduce it into the immunization program next year for babies to protect them against RSV, respiratory sign, I can't pronounce this one, sign RSV, that's the short for it. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a virus that causes around 30,000 hospitalizations in babies every year and around 20 to 30 deaths. It causes a cold, a common cold and earache, but can lead to pneumonia and bronchiolitis, which can be fatal. But it's really for Im immunocompromised babies. Uh, most children, most babies get over this. However, the NHS is today saying they've done these trials on 8,000 little, little tiny babies. Uh, it's a game changer. One consultant pediatric at the world famous Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital is saying, and they want to introduce it ASAP for the next winter uh, kind of bout. Uh, another consultant says, I spend many hours looking after children with this illness over the winter. It would be great to see it prevented because it puts a burden on the NHS. Now, it's a common, common respiratory virus and there is a whole argument about uh, you know certain childhood illnesses you need to you need to go through so that the human immune system kicks in and puts it through its paces so that you produce your own antibodies this isn't a vaccine they're not calling it a vaccine they're calling it an antibody injection well surely your human body produces its own antibodies once you've had something and then you develop immunity as you go through having these childhood illnesses um the statistics they're using to justify this I mean, it's such a depressing story to bring you over Christmas. I do apologize. So they trialed it on 8,000 babies and infants from the UK, France, and Germany. 0.3%, it's a bit like climate change, these statistics, actually. 0.3% yeah. of babies injected with this were hospitalized compared to the 1.5% who weren't injected, which didn't go to hospital. So that's the rest of them. 99, 99 or 98.5 were absolutely fine. Um, but they got injected anyway because, you know, they were part of the trials. Now, over Christmas, I went out to a local pub um, and there was a sign on the back of the women's toilet doors. And it's about drink spiking, which is a very common problem here in the UK. I don't know if you have that as much in Australia where girls are getting their drinks spiked. And it was all about what to do if you feel your drink has been spiked. And I read it all the way through and it said uh, drink spiking and, and drug spiking where you get injected if you're standing at the bar. It said it, it, it was telling people what it was. And it was saying, putting in a substance into someone else's body without consent is illegal. And you're like, hello, this in babies? 
this in babies yeah did the babies consent you know and what's the long-term implications another consultant the professor who was involved in the trial said that these trials on these eight thousand babies conclusively show that these injections are safe wow. well i don't know what he's basing that on a christmas wish so that's the story i'm bringing to you out of the uk because once it happens here and the trials have been carried out in europe it won't just be babies in the uk will it we'll be looking at babies possibly around the world getting injected for something that, that is very common most babies get over and you could argue they're meant to go through it so that their immune system their god-given immune system kicks in and does its job that's it and people seem to forget that and again i'll go back to the old brady bunch episode where one of the kids had the measles so what did they do they get, got all the kids together they had a measles party let's get this over with let's let their immune system learn from it grow you know grow make them stronger and we move on today it's on the front page of the paper likewise with young children when my son was born 15 years ago the vitamin k injection which is uh designed to induce uh clotting if you if you bleed for example and as my son was born through a cesarean section there was very little trauma to his head as one might imagine and even if there wasn't i would have allowed nature to do its thing and i had every doctor and nurse in uh, blackdown hospital in, in sydney come up to me and tell me that i was wrong and i said how is you putting a vitamin k uh, in quantities that are up to 120 times that found in nature how is that good for a child that has suffered no trauma through birth whatsoever and when again when you question them they have nothing to say they just walk off so that's what you do you get across the actual science get across historically what you know how children dealt with things and when you uh when they they are confronted with that they just go to water and they walk away and they don't persist any longer well that is the answer isn't it i mean i just saw this story this morning and i i had to do a double take and it's interesting that they they've obviously brought it out in what is traditionally a very quiet time of year for news you know the christmas new year break we're heading into the new year there's but most people haven't gone back to work yet i'm sure it's probably the same in australia so the, the nhs has snuck this press release out um and and, and obviously that they want to kind of link it to oh when on the NHS, winter burdens on the NHS. It's almost like, you know, let's sacrifice young babies to protect the NHS, the, the sainted NHS. Let's, why don't we just make the NHS work? Let's not, you know, soon children <laughs> yeah. won't have any illnesses at all, will they, to protect the NHS? Nobody will be ill at all because of injection to protect the NHS. It doesn't make any sense logically at all. The NHS is there to help you when you're ill. It, I don't know. I don't know. There we are. That's the story I'm bringing you this morning. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Yeah, Mary, uh, it will be a Merry Christmas for those who abstain from doing that, which uh, they should have learned to not do over the last three years. It's horrific. And these people, uh, you know, getting back to what you said about Jason Momoa, those who I think advocated for it publicly, who are celebrities, politicians, those in the media, uh, I'm very not happy with many of them. But for those who genuinely believed they were doing the right thing, you know, I, I have a, a level of forgiveness for those. And I don't think that Jason Momoa, for example, had any ill intentions and probably was silly enough to go and get it himself. For those who advocated uh, for children to go and get it and absolutely couldn't have be bothered to go and do the science or the research into the actual science we clearly showed they were almost immune and to go and push that those are people who i will never ever forgive because they convinced parents to go and do the the wrong thing and basically through fear and used their influence to encourage that fear and the the trust that they uh, had you know trust me i'm your favorite actor i'm your favorite actress singer for example uh, and you should do what i do but for those who advocated that others do it and didn't do it themselves and wouldn't it be great if we had proof as to who those people were that should be considered a crime
Absolutely. Couldn't put it better myself, Dean. Couldn't put it better myself. Gemma Cooper, you often do. You often do put it better than myself and you are terrific. And that's why we have you here at TNT. And I can't wait till we do this again very next hour. Gemma Cooper, everybody, we'll be back at TNT after this. TNT Radio's Hervoy Morich. Approximately 650,000 Ukrainian men aged 18 to 60 have left Ukraine for Europe since the start of the war. It's a tough spot if your country is being invaded. Uh, that's one thing, and you're a, a male and a citizen. Um, but you know, if the war, if it's a globalist war, I, I wouldn't want to participate <laughs> in these banker globalist wars. And most of them just uh, are. Pervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio TNT. I didn't ask to be thrown in the streets with nowhere to go. I didn't think I'd survive, but I did ask for help and Covenant House was there for me. One in 10 young adults will experience a form of homelessness this year. For these kids who didn't ask to be put in this unthinkable situation, Covenant House is there. Covenant House helped me break the cycle of homelessness in my family. They gave me the love that I needed. Over 2,000 young people will sleep safely in a Covenant House bed tonight. When youth who are experiencing homelessness have a hot meal, a safe place to sleep, medical care and love they can overcome heartbreaking challenges and have a brighter future they just really genuinely just wanted to help me succeed and i'm succeeding i'm a i'm a speaker i'm an author covenant house really helped me and really helped mold me into the woman i am today if you or someone you love is asking for help go to safeplacetosleep.org today the net zero con will leave millions of citizens dependent on state handouts it isn't a theory it's an agenda there is no climate emergency on air 24 7 this is today's news talk radio tnt uh there certainly is no climate emergency except for those advocating that there is we really need to be uh, rather proactive against such people because they are doing tremendous harm. This is TNT Radio, and we do encourage you to call in whenever you've got something to say. And Siv from Sydney has done just that. Hey, Siv, how are you going? You know, whenever I have something to say, I do ring into a radio station that lets me say it. Do you realise that? I do. <laughs> I love that you do. I, I, and, and I and I love I love a microphone, whether I can find one. But look. Um, <laughs> I can't sing, of course. That, that's that's not a gift I have. Um, look, just on that, um, and that that little thing, just that little promo, had me thinking as well. So we get these people, these green types, you know, these global warming types, advocating that essentially we all go back into the caves because you know it's all great for the environment. I mean, let's just cut the crap. We basically we should go back into the caves. Yeah, you know, we should get rid of the fossil fuels, all the rest of it. Well, why don't these people actually, you know, do it themselves? Why aren't the green movement going back into the very caves they want us to? I'd love to see. In fact, it's a reality show I would watch. Sarah wouldn't wouldn't that be absolutely cave. terrific? I'd watch it too. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you know, can, can you imagine, you know, the Greens, whoever the Greens leader in, 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 um, in Australia, I think it's Mr. Bant, Adam yeah, Bant yeah. in a cave. We'll see it now. We'll watch it now on, on the mainstream <laughs> channel. I think it'd be great. I'd be great to see what they would. How would they? I mean, would hey, they, Siv, they Siv, survive? Ha Actually, yes. It's a couple of questions. A. How would you get a latte machine into a cave? And B. Would their nits 
would the nits in their hair survive in a cave without daylight? I don't know. If those two things can't be fulfilled, well, I guess they'll have to hang around the equivalent of Newtown in whichever state they happen to be in. You know, I, 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 that's, that's an interesting point you make. And the other thing I would say is that these people advocating that we go back into caves would never do it themselves because they're absolute hypocrites. And we all know that. They're absolute bloody hypocrites and I can't abide hypocrites. I don't know about the rest of you, but I cannot stand hypocrites. Good to talk to you, Dean. Good to talk to you. Yes, hypocrites. They're people that are uh, just not intelligent enough to realise, for the most part, that they are indeed hypocrites. And of course, typically bigots and uh, usually well and truly down on the IQ average here in Australia, which, believe it or not, is now in double digits, something that was formerly an insult that some, some of us would use against people. And now it's the average IQ. It is rather frightening. My next guess is about 45 to 50 points above that, I would imagine, because based on everything that I've heard him say uh, over the time that I've known him, he's a regular, uh, he's a producer on the, at this network. He is also a uh, fill-in for me and does a tremendous job. In fact, you, you might be busy at the end of January, Jeremy Beck, because I'm, I'm going up to Queensland for a week. And uh, Jeremy Beck is a terrific guy and I'm Got him on the program right now. We're going to have a chat about a bunch of things. G'day, Jeremy. G'day, Dean. Yeah, great to be here again. And there are so many things to talk about. Where, where do we start? And and that call uh, with Siv, it, it certainly is true. Uh, a lot of these greenies have no idea about what they're advocating for. You may have once, you know, survived on virtually zero technology back 200 years ago, but now we have seven more than nearly eight billion people on the planet you can't just wind the clock back just like that uh, and the life would be very very simple now people are finding that out all over the world so i thought i'd just start with dean a story out of japan uh, because they're realizing you can't just do away with the the nuclear power plants anymore they need them uh, so safety regulators in japan have lifted an operational ban on a nuclear power station owned by Tokyo Electric Power Company, which is the operator of the ill-fated Fukushima nuclear power station, which at the time we all remember, there was enormous media coverage following the massive tsunami, uh, which I just can't believe it, Dean. It was March 2011. Time wow. just flies. Wow. <laughs> more than a decade ago. I, I, honestly, if, if I asked you and you didn't know that, um, you would have said, what, five, six years ago. That's how it seems, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so finally, uh, these uh, this ban has been lifted. Now, lifting this operational ban allows the company to resume preparations to restart the Kashiwazaki Karawa Power Complex after more than 10 years. The Kashiwazaki Karawa is the world's largest nuclear power complex. It contains seven reactors, and has a capacity of more than 8,000 megawatts. That's a hell of a lot of power in one spot. Uh, so the Japanese Nuclear Regulation Authority, they put the ban in place only in 2021, so not that long ago, uh, over safety breaches at this power complex, including a failure to protect nuclear materials and unauthorised staff entering sensitive areas. Uh, but the power complex had been offline anyway, since 2012 in the wake of that uh, Fukushima incident. But what's uh, what's interesting is that 
now finally they, they're realizing they do need the nuclear power. Japan really shut down a lot of nuclear capacity for many, many years. It was, it was really crazy. I do understand they, they needed to test their safety systems, but the time that they had these power plants down, remembering that not one person died of a nuclear radiation overdose. There were 18,500 people dead or missing due to the tsunami. They didn't die of a, a nuclear overdose. So the media, we all remember, they were jumping up and down about nuclear, nuclear, nuclear. But 18,500 people dead or missing, uh, not from the nuclear disaster. That was just the massive earthquake and the tsunami and the damage. And uh, so, so it was just a, a huge fuss over next to nothing. The, the nuclear incident wasn't highly serious, uh, but the media just wouldn't let go of it. It's amazing that they'll uh, harp on about that. But in governments around the world, media around the world, but they will ignore the immense amount of uh, nuclear testing that's been done over the decades. And it's tantamount, you know, when they said, you know, God forbid we should ever have a nuclear war. But one would argue that the amount of nuclear tests that they have done would be tantamount to that same amount of nuclear material in the atmosphere and in our oceans anyway. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we, we had some big nuclear tests in Australia done by the, the British in the 1950s. And really at that time, it, just imagine that happened today, it, it, there would be, it just simply wouldn't politically, it just would be impossible to do. But yeah, for sure, there, there have been huge quantities of nuclear radiation released in nuclear tests. The Fukushima uh, incident, uh, relatively small amounts of nuclear radiation got released, but a lot of people don't understand nuclear power and they, they tend to get all emotive and irrational about it. Actually, nuclear power is the safest form of power. If you look at all the people who have died in all sorts of accidents, you know, whether they died in coal mining accidents or died, you know, these people were up in those wind turbines and, and they do occasionally have an accident that, you know, you have to have maintenance on these wind turbines. But if you look at nuclear power, it's got to be, the, oh, it is the safest power in terms of the number of people who died in that industry versus the kilowatt hours or megawatt hours of power that has been produced. So I think that's a good news story there that Japan is slowly building up the uh, the nuclear capacity and, and this ban has now been dropped. Uh, and, and also, uh, we've got to remember that 54 reactors in Japan were shut down. There are now 33 operable reactors. I just checked on the World Nuclear Association website. So 33 in operation now, but also there's one plan to be built and eight nuclear plants uh, uh, in preparation, uh, in a proposed. So they're actually looking to a nuclear future in Japan. Wait, would you consider it hypocritical? Here's the government uh, highly resistant to nuclear here in Australia at all levels, yet they're very keen to get these nuclear subs as part of this AUKUS agreement. So it should be all or nothing, should it not? I, I think there there is a lot of hypocrisy there. And, and in terms of nuclear... Uh, submarines. Well, that's just the propulsion. Uh, I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned more about whether they're, they're going to be tipped with or armed yep. with nuclear weapons. And that would be really the last thing we need is the, a nuclear war. I mean, no one wins in a nuclear war. No. And if 
if we're we're having these nuclear submarines, powered submarines, and if, if we're planning to use those to intimidate China or Russia or whoever, uh, you know, I, I don't think that that's going to end very well somehow. So that's more my concern. But sure, why don't we have a nuclear industry? Uh, nuclear sub-powered submarines make much more sense because they can stay under for longer. Uh, you don't have to come up for air like the diesel-powered submarines. And you can go around the world, you know, for a year or more on just the, the fuel that you've got in there, the, the fuel is so energy dense. So that makes sense. But as you say, there is an enormous amount of hypocrisy uh, when it comes to nuclear subs. The, the government's happy to waste billions and billions of dollars on those, but they won't spend any money for a nuclear power to produce electricity for our own industries and to allow us to prosper because that's how we will prosper. It certainly is. Uh, Japan post-World War II, a very different country uh, to what it might have been had they played along with Western narratives. Uh, the fact that they've uh, basically said no to mass immigration. Uh, they do have a, a falling birth rate, so their numbers are going down. But isn't that what those who rule the world want? You know, they, they're pushing for less numbers, yet here they are in, in our countries. And I, I know I'm using this as a bit of a tie-in, but here they are pushing mass immigration on us from countries that have very high birth rates, yet somehow I get the feeling after the last three years they don't want most of us around. Hence, I can only see it as some sort of attack uh, it's certainly an attack on our economy as far as uh, the real estate game and uh, inflation and whatnot and a bit of a Ponzi scheme. But it all kind of ties in. But it does tie into Japan making some very smart decisions, not being as influenced as we are here in Australia. And on the other side of the break, we've got a bunch more to talk about with Jeremy Beck. Stick around, everybody. We've got the news headlines and then we'll be back. Well, what's the news? TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has sparked outrage after he was quoted by local media calling for the voluntary migration of Palestinians from Gaza. The war of words between Turkey and Israel is heating up after the Turkish president compared Benjamin Netanyahu to Adolf Hitler. And Japan has agreed to start sending Patriot missiles to the US to help restock Washington's arsenal, which has been depleted by continued shipments to Ukraine. The common housefly. Caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNTradio.live. And welcome back to the program. Just reading some of the online chat comments. One coming from Kevin. Firstly, good afternoon and good afternoon back to you, Kevin. Dean, a good friend of mine, has been vaccinated for COVID, wait for it, six times. And on Christmas Eve, guess what he got? He got COVID. Yes, and the Greens want to close down all Western civilization and start up uh, them running up, yeah, basically like the Flintstones. They'd have us back to the Flintstones. But when, of course, they achieve what it is they want, socialism or what they understand, wealth, they think wealth just exists and that you can just redistribute that wealth and it will last forever. Wealth is created through industry, through hard work, something that the Greens absolutely don't don't understand. And something, and, and I don't know whether uh, Jeremy will want to talk about this as well, I mean, here they are in Canada at the moment trying to create a basic universal income for all people. And this is like Venezuela on steroids. I mean, if this isn't the final nail 
in the Canadian coffin. I don't know what is, but we'll uh, we'll find out if Jeremy wants to have a chat about that as well. And, and I, I did hijack him with with that one, but it's certainly something that we probably should talk about, Jeremy Beck. Uh, I think so, Dean. Actually, I, I did look at that too. Uh, I have so many news stories across my desk, and that was one that I looked at. And for sure, it's an insane idea. I mean, handing out people money for nothing, that's what we did in COVID, wasn't it? We uh, we got people to sit at home uh, in the lockdowns, which were just a complete disaster, did serve no purpose other than to ruin our economy, which I think actually the purpose, part of the purpose of the lockdowns was to wipe out small business. The big multinationals, it suited them fine. They could uh, ride over this. But uh, handing people money to sit around and do nothing uh, in Canada, it, it is just a complete insane idea because, as you said, wealth is created. You don't create wealth by printing money. We saw that experiment in Weimar, Germany in, in the 1920s where they had hyperinflation, they were carrying around wheelbarrow loads of money. We're seeing that in several countries around the world where you start printing money, uh, the, the inflation just takes off and that money is worthless. So real wealth, it, it needs some sort of scientific discovery and application and process to create that wealth. And as a, an engineer, I've never actually worked as an engineer, but I've got engineering qualifications. And, and I understand the principle just from having studied engineering, mechanical engineering, what real wealth is about. And you don't just make it up. It, it has to be achieved through a lot, a lot of hard work, but applying your mind, your mind to some creative discoveries to put that in place to create something real and productive. A lot of people don't understand these basic principles, though, Dean. They don't. And we're very lucky that we have so many uh, minerals and resources here in Australia because we would have failed long before this. And for those thinking, but big countries, you know, are immune to this kind of thing. No, Venezuela had massive natural resources. And, you know, there was Hugo Chavez basically saying, hey, sit back, put your feet up, this uh, whole socialist thing, it's wonderful, and you'll have the best 10 years of your life. And they did. They had a wonderful 10 years, just partying, doing nothing, not having to uh, do much. The Greens would have loved it. Adam Bant sort of gone over there for a while and had a vacation for a decade. He would have loved it. But subsequently, it's a basket case over there. They shall never recover all of those natural resources, all owned by those who one would suspect would probably own them now. The big boys, those at the top end of town, and it's coming to a town near you here in Australia, certainly uh, uh, the UK well and truly on the way, but uh, again, a very different ball game there because of our natural resources. And that's ultimately what they're after. They want everything we have. They don't like the fact that you as an Australian have a one in what, 26, 27 million share in everything, or we think we do, but half of that's been sold off. And uh, it's uh, quite shameful where we find ourselves and those that still advocate for the duopoly, the two-party, one-group system, that uh, has found us where we are, you know, has got us to where we are now, and people still voting for them. I don't know if they'll ever, ever wake up. Well, they they better wake up, Dean, because uh, we don't have too much time. I don't think the way the world is going, we're in a very slippery slope to a path of no return. You know, we're we're just in a a, a ticking time bomb. I think you know towards world war. I mean, we've already got essentially World War Three in terms of proxy wars already, uh, the war on our economy through the green movement. There's so many fronts that we're in deep, deep trouble. Uh, I wanted to uh, look at another story in the media, Dean, where 
a military-style funeral has been held for an Australian man claimed to be a fighter with Hezbollah. Uh, and this is a, a day after he and his brother and sister-in-law were killed in an Israeli airstrike. Uh, so this has made the news today. Uh, now, hundreds attended the funeral in Lebanon and the, the brother's uh, caskets were draped with Hezbollah flags. So obviously they had some Hezbollah supporters there. Now, the brothers Ali and Ibrahim uh, Bazi, along with Ibrahim's wife, Sharuk Hamoud, uh, died when the explosion levelled their family home in southern Lebanon on Tuesday. Um, and I thought this story is newsworthy because this is taking the conflict over there back to us here in Australia, where in Sydney, uh, they're now uh, having uh, major mornings and memorial services for all three dead are planned for today and tomorrow at Al-Zahara Mosque in Sydney. Uh, now, Ibrahim Bazi, he was a 27-year-old Australian citizen. He travelled from Sydney to Lebanon just last Friday, uh, and he was to join his wife, who had recently acquired an Australian visa back home. Uh, so now they're dead, the two brothers and, and one of the brothers' wives, uh, memorial services uh, being held, as I say, today in uh, the, the mosque in Sydney. Now, uh, the Israeli military says it's been striking Hezbollah targets based in Lebanon in response to what it says are rockets and missiles being fired into northern Israel. But it just goes to show you any Australians who think that you can go over to uh, Lebanon or, God forbid, uh, you know, other places more dangerous. <laughs> no, I don't think anyone's going to Gaza, surely not. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it just beggars belief that people would want to put themselves in danger to go over to these places. Uh, we've been, our government has been meddling into the region and I thought, I think we've just caused so much harm by getting involved in foreign conflicts and many of our own Australian citizens are getting caught up into it too. Mate, I, I think they would be very smart to do what I've done in regards to that particular conflict, and I don't normally do it, but my uh, my my bum cheeks are well and truly on the fence with that one. I'm not a particular fan of either side of that, and I, I've stated that uh, unequivocally on several occasions, but at the end of the day, mate, or, you know, I can understand people getting upset when, you know, innocent women and children on both sides are being killed. It really is terrific. But what I would suggest that some people do when it comes to Hezbollah itself is have a look how Hezbollah uh, came up, came to be and where much of that funding and weaponry came from. I think they might be a little bit surprised uh, where how that started and something that we could get into uh, certainly on another occasion. Yeah, and, and I, I think I, I agree with you that, you know, we... We really uh, are in a, a position where it's very divisive, this conflict. A, a lot of people have got very deep emotions on both sides. And at the end of the day, my feelings are with all the innocent civilians getting caught up on both sides. And and if only we wouldn't have these wars in the first place. My thinking is that there are people right at the top of the tree who are quite happy for people to join either side because these globalists they don't care who dies yeah they want global control in the whole planet so uh if we look to a higher purpose and who we are as human beings on this planet don't get sucked into the globalist agenda and pick sides and and get into a divide and conquer game look uh, it's just horrendous what's going on in that region but i would just urge people 
stay out of the conflict. Don't don't go over there. Look, you can lose your lives. This has happened to an Australian citizen just this week, gone over there to that region, and now he and his wife and his brother are all dead. Mate, not very clever. We've seen a bunch of uh, people go to go and fight for the Ukraine as well, uh, some for money, some because they thought they were doing the right thing, and subsequently those people are no longer with us, and uh, uh, certainly conflicts that some of them really had uh, didn't have any skin in the game, uh, certainly didn't need to go and fight, and again, uh, you could argue the more people that get involved, it escalates these things. But what do you do? I mean, if, if you to understand the conflict, you've got to look at it from other people's point, points of view. You know, on one side, you've got a group saying, well, we're returning to our ancient home. On another side, you're saying, uh, you've got another group saying, you know, there we were 70 years ago, that was our homeland. Now we've got hardly any of it left and you want that. So again, you can see the point of both sides. At the end of the day, it's, it sounds... You know, wouldn't it be nice if we could all get along? It's not the world that we live in. It's not humanity at its base, unfortunately. So all, all we can do is sit back, observe, and uh, hopefully cooler heads prevail in the Australian government. Anthony Albanese, of, of course, between a rock and a hard place. Uh, on one side, he's got a group that he needs to be compliant to, and on the other side, he's got those who vote for him, for him that are on an, an, a different side entirely. So uh, he's showing his true colours and his true allegiances there, I would imagine. Jeremy Beck, appreciate you, and uh, hopefully we can do this again real soon. Thanks, Dan. Good to be here. And that's Jeremy Beck, everybody, producer to the stars and uh, co-commentator here at TNT Radio. Just quickly on the online chat, Anthony writes, can't beat a bit of TNT. River is there, hoping everyone had a fantastic time. Good to be back and good to have you back. Kevin writes, Dean, all of, all of Australian governments have been hypocrites. Chris Bowen, let's oh, get me started on him, says we must be 100% renewable. The same government is constructing a second airport in Sydney. Why? Good question. Uh, what comes out of the back of the aircraft? Aircraft run on fossil fuels. And then why do we need a second airport? And uh, uh, a whole bunch of other comments that I'll get to on the other side of the break. Of course, I will be joined imminently by rock star champion politician and ex-radio guy, Bernie Finn. Stick around. This is TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Two new internationally peer-reviewed studies published in major scientific journals have documented misleading northern hemisphere temperature data an attribution analysis indicated inadequate considerations of the urban heat island, its influence on climate records and dominant influences of the sun, and producing warming and cooling phases. Published in August in the journal Climate, the first of these studies concludes that the global warming influences on people could be mostly an urban problem associated with a well-known urban heat island phenomenon by where structures, including paved surfaces and concrete buildings, absorb heat during the day and release it at night, but of course much more slowly. Although urban areas account for less than 4% of the global land surface, they contain many of the weather stations where temperatures are collected, which substantially skew the bigger picture. Whereas the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change estimates that UHI accounts for less than 10% of the global warming, the new study suggests that urban warming might account for up to 40% of the recorded change since 1850. Now you combine that with some of the other things that the IPCC conveniently seems to ignore, like underwater heating that's going on, and what do you get? You get a good reason to be very, very skeptical on what you're being told about the climate. 
This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog, meteorologist Joe Bastardi, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. From weather and traffic reports to news of political developments, we turn to journalists for the information we need to live our daily lives. Journalists around the world provide the news that is essential for democracy, for personal freedom, and for safety and stability. Yet their ability to report freely and safely is under attack like never before. So many journalists are paying with their lives. They face exponential risks and they've already paid a heavy toll. Death threats, online harassment, and physical attacks are becoming a daily experience of journalists in all countries. We just want people to be safe, to be able to get our readers the information that they need to make informed decisions. They checked my phone and realized that it was Pegasus. I feel myself like I'm naked at the street. These charges were politicized from the start. Facts win. Truth wins. Justice wins. C'est énorme pour moi d'être là, d'être libre. Surtout que je m'y attendais pas du tout. Stand with the free press. Stand with journalists whose reporting won't be silenced. Press freedom is your freedom. Talking about issues and coming up with solutions. Dean Mackin on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. And welcome back to the program. Uh, a regular guest of mine is one that you would know, certainly by voice, many of you, if not by face, and certainly those of you from Victoria would know him across all levels. Uh, a very prominent, in fact, the loudest voice, I would imagine, uh, historically in the Victorian Liberal Party, one who advocated for unborn babies. How dare he be such a good fellow? And what do you do if you advocate for those that can't advocate for themselves uh, in politics these days? You are ousted. Uh, and even then, he almost got back in because he's such a terrific guy and X-Rated superstar as well. I don't like to embarrass him, but he is a terrific fella. Bernie Finn, welcome back. G'day, Dean. Good to see you, mate. Hope you had a great uh, Christmas and uh, en enjoying uh, what may or may not be uh, a very pleasant time wherever you're, you're depending on where you are. Hey, it is, and let's hope that 2024 uh, is a better year for everybody, and mm. not just here in Australia, but around the world. And it's that time of year where we make our New Year's resolutions. So where do you reckon we should start as a society? Well, you know, you know, I would start with an area that I'm, I'm very, very concerned about, and that is something that is, is, is going to destroy this country if we continue down the path that we are, and that is this uh, uh, climate change, renewables, uh, zero uh, emissions nonsense. I mean, w w we have to stand up and say to governments, whether they be state, whether they be federal, wherever they are, this is nonsense and we're not going to do it anymore. We're not going to put up with it anymore. You know, we, we did it last in, in October. You know, we said uh, very clearly in the referendum, 61% uh, of, of, uh, of Australians said, no, well, we've got to do it again and we've got to keep doing it. And, and we really have to stand up and say to this government, particularly the Albanese government, but most of the state governments, if, if not all the state governments, are on the same kick. You know, we, we cannot tolerate, we cannot allow our country to be destroyed by these policies. And, and that is what's happening. I mean, I am desperately sad 
um, for what's going to happen to my kids and, and my grandkids. I haven't got any yet, but, but you know, grandkids that may come along in the future um, if we keep down this path. Because if, if you create a situation where, where energy is so totally unaffordable, uh, you're not going to have any jobs. You're not going to have any um, uh, economic uh, activity. You're not going to have any future, in fact. And that's exactly where we are going at the moment. I heard you mention um, uh, uh, Chris Bowen earlier, and uh, you know that, that that bloke should be taken out the back and um, horsewhipped. Uh, he he is just he is just absolutely beyond the pale uh, in every way, uh, and and he is leading us down the path of total and absolute destruction. And I, I just find it extraordinary, mate. And I've got to say this: that that we here in Australia we can't use our coal, we can't use our our gas, but apparently it's fine for the Chinese to do it. Uh, and and you know a few a few people a few uh, uh, people up the top can make some dollars out of uh, out of exports to China of, of coal and gas, but we can't use it in our own homes um, to to keep us warm and to keep the light on. Yeah, mate. What, what sort of, what sort of insanity is that? It's, what it's sort of the insanity? hypocrisy and the failures in logic that point to their true agenda. Because again, if they were serious about saving the planet, if the planet was actually at risk. They would easily just say, well, hey, we're not going to sell you any more of this coal. We're not going to burn it ourselves. So we're not being hypocritical. So I'm sure you'll understand. Uh, a couple of realities would at that point kick in, uh, one of which would be that if China really, really wanted it and wasn't going to go down the rabbit hole that we've gone down, they could simply, if they wanted to, probably just come and take it uh, yeah, at the yeah. end of the day. And that's what happens when, when you rob a country of what it needs to survive, to literally survive. Uh, but but again, that's why they let them have it, because at yeah. the end of the day, it's really about getting us into debt. They figured out that they pretended to play along this game. Uh, they were never going to. And when it came, when push came to shove, they said, well, you know, good luck with that. We're off to do our own thing. But, uh, you know, the old saying about, you know, keeping your, your friends close, but your enemies closer, that's certainly what they did with us on a global level for as long as they could. And I don't blame them. Well done to them. Yeah, and the extraordinary thing is that what we need here in Australia is uh, the use of that coal and the use of that gas. And who is depriving us of that? It's our own government, our own people. We put them there. We elected them. We we, we made Al Anthony Albanese Prime Minister of Australia, and he's turned around and he's doing this to us. And, and you know, it's it's not very pleasant. And uh, we, we have to make a very firm and a very strong and a very clear stand in 2024 as Australians, irrespective of, of, of our background or where we might be from. You know, we're all in the same boat here. Uh, we're going to sink if, if we allow this to continue. And we have to stand up to it. We have to make sure uh, that uh, these people know that... Um, they have no future if the country has no future. And, uh, you know, there is an election coming up in the next 18 months. It may even be next year, you know, if, if there is uh, the slightest chance that Albanese um, uh, can win an election at any time next year, he will go to the people. You know, there's no, no question about that because as things stand at the minute, he's, he's in a spot of bother. But if he thinks he can win next year, uh, he will go to, to the people. And we have to make sure that those of us who are, uh, keeping an eye on, on such things that, that, that we focus our attention and focus the attention of our family, our friends and anybody and everybody on this most important issue. And, you know, the, the future of our families, the future of our jobs, the future of small business. You know, this is the future of the country we're talking about. And uh, the, the idiots that are there in Canberra uh, in control at the minute, they will destroy it all. And we have to make sure that they are gone uh, by by this time next year, if indeed uh, that that's possible.
Mate, I agree. I mean, the idiots that we've got there, the duopoly, uh, all the good people have been squeezed out. You know, the, the toothpaste tube is empty. There, there's nothing in it anymore. They've got rid of all the good ones, yourself yep. in, included. Mate, it's horrific. Uh, most of Australia hasn't yet woken up to the fact that it is a duopoly, uh, a very poor offering by Labor, but some could argue many after the last three years know that it really is a duopoly. Uh, Peter Dutton, I, I, I just don't think he's a a strong enough leader and people not waking up to the options, the real options, the fair mm. income options that exist at state and federal level. And I cannot believe that we're not there yet because after the last three years, surely I was just expecting an absolute whitewash for people such as, you know, yourself, uh, you know, for parties that, you know, such as One Nation and the United Australia Party, I, I thought, and in, in, in your own, I, I imagine would do phenomenally well at the last election, yeah. but they did uh, historically probably as bad as they could have done and I don't understand it. I will never understand it. If you mm. could explain it to me or anybody, I would love it. Well, I don't understand it at all, to tell you the truth. But I, I anticipate that if we do our work and we all have to do, you know, we, we, people think that if you pop up a couple of weeks before an election, uh, you, can, uh, you, can, you can work miracles. Well, you can't. You know, you, you can't fatten the pig on market day. Uh, you know, this, this has to be a process, and, and I'm going to be doing this uh, as, as of very early in the new year. I will be visiting every town every suburb, every uh, shire, wherever in Victoria um, to speak to people and, and speak with people and listen to them uh, and, and just tell them uh, my idea of where we should be going. And I anticipate that that will hopefully pay, uh, will pay dividends and I'll be in the Senate uh, after, the, after the next election. Uh, but uh, but that, you know, that, that will be as a result of a lot of hard work uh, and uh, I'm I'm hopeful that that uh, that hard work will uh, will as I say pay off big big dividends. And if because, because people make people as you say they are desperately looking for an alternative. Oh, absolutely, desperately looking for an alternative. Mate, if my memory serves me correctly, you did very very well um, at the last election. You almost got in, didn't you? If, if I I'm... did, yeah. Like I missed out in, a, in an electorate of over half a million people. I missed out by two hundred and ten votes. Oh. Uh, which is which is you know the the equivalent of be, of losing the match uh, after the after the siren, uh, and um, you know it, it's uh, you know the kick after the siren, uh, and that was uh, you know I, I won't say it was devastating, but it was certainly disappointing. Uh, but it does give me uh, some hope for uh, for what we can do um, uh, next time with with family first, because uh, it is uh, you know a rejuvenated party and a born again party, if I can call it that. Uh, and uh, and I'm I'm really excited to be uh, to be a part of that. And and uh, it's just um, uh, has has re re-energized uh, my love for this country and what we can do um, for this country if we're given the chance. Mate, well, otherwise, I know. Other, otherwise, I mean, I could have been—I could have been sitting on a beach in Queensland, uh, very, very easily. But I decided that I would uh, would give this a shot uh, because this Australia, you know, this this, this wonderful country we have, um, we, we can't turn our back on it. We really can't. It's it's a it's it's just a, it's just a beautiful place to be, and um, I can't, in all conscience, just say no. I'm out of here. Mate, you certainly uh, cut from the correct cloth because, mate, you just couldn't even if you wanted to. You just couldn't walk away. That is who you are, Bernie Finn, and that's why we thank you uh, for your efforts, mate. And, again, uh, to only lose by, you know, a couple of hundred votes. But I love mm. what you're doing. You're kind of taking a bit of a uh, an approach, as do the Teals, where they get out there nice and early. They introduce themselves to the electorate so those people yep. know who it is that they're dealing with at the time, mate. And I, I suspect you'll do very well come the next election. I certainly hope that is the case, Bernie Finn. Yeah, look, I hope so, Dean, because uh, quite frankly, what I have to say is very, very different to what the Labor Party is saying.
very, very different to what most of the Liberal Party say. You know, and, and what I'm saying in defence of families, in defence of small business, in defence of workers, uh, you know, these are things that are not being said by anybody in politics at the moment. Right. Okay, Bernie. And, and, that, and that's just appalling. Bernie, it certainly is, mate. I've got to go. I'm out of time. Thank you, Bernie Finn. Everybody no will be Dave. back after the news headlines. This is TNT Radio.